um, that the Lord laid on my heart that I wanted to, I wanted to bring some messages from some of the teachings of the Lord Jesus. I, I really just wanted to talk about Jesus uh, in, in these days. And, and so it will be several messages um, dealing with text that Jesus Himself gave us in His teaching. And so we're going to look at one of those this evening. I invite you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of John. Gospel of John chapter 15. The Lord Jesus is speaking here with His disciples. It's the night before His arrest. And our text will be the three verses beginning at verse 13. So John 15 verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Can anybody tell me what the key word is in these three verses? There is a word that appears in all three of these verses that is important. What is the key word? Friends, right? Friends. Um, and so, so who are these friends? Who is this friendship between? Jesus and His disciples. That sounds good to me. Uh, and, and the amazing thing is that it is not the disciples saying, yeah, Jesus is my friend, but it's actually the other direction. It's Jesus saying, you guys are my friends. That's a lot better. And I, He says, I've called you friends. And, and of course, it wasn't just the twelve disciples who were Jesus' friends. He's friends with Lazarus and Mary and Martha and so on. Uh, Jesus had lots of friends. And if you are a Christian, then the Lord Jesus calls you His friend. That's a wonderful truth. And that's the truth we're going to be talking about tonight. The Lord wants you to think of your relationship with Him in that way. That He is your friend. He's not just, yes, He's your God. Yes, He's your Savior. He's also your friend. And that's so encouraging. Of course, everybody understands the concept of friendship. I mean, ever since you were a little kid and played with some other little kid all day, and then you went home and told your mom, I've got a friend now, right? We know what that feels like. To feel like we have a friend. Well, this is the greatest friendship, isn't it? This is the most important friendship. The friendship between us and our Lord Jesus Christ. Jonathan Edwards has a wonderful old sermon about the friendship of Jesus. He says, Whatsoever there is or can be desirable in a friend is in Christ. And that to the highest degree that can be desired. Whatever good qualities you would want in a friend are found in Jesus. And not just a little bit, but the maximum amount of that good quality 
that you could ever desire is in Him. He's the best imaginable friend. Um, a friend, any friend, any really good friend, is one who understands you. A friend cares about you. A friend knows just what to do in a crisis. A friend is accessible. You can get a hold of them. A friend listens to you. A friend spends time with you. A friend helps you out in practical ways. A friend communicates readily with you. And the Lord Jesus Christ does all of those things and does them better than any other friend we can imagine. Now this news that Jesus calls us His friends, I mean, it, it seems too good to be true. Like, does, does He really mean this? Does he really, does he really want to be my friend? And the answer is yes, He absolutely does. In fact, in fact, right here in these verses, He Himself gives two proofs of His friendship. Two ways you can be sure that Jesus really is your friend. He really does want your friendship. Two evidences of how much He loves us. There's one in verse 13, one in verse 15. So the first proof, Jesus' friendship found in verse 13, where it says, Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. That's the proof. That's the first proof He gives that He loves you and He really wants to be your friend. He's laid down His life for us. Imagine that you had a friend who literally died while saving your life. You know, you have a military buddy who jumps on the hand grenade so that he dies instead of you. Or you have a friend that drags you out of a burning building and, and instead of you dying, he succumbs to his injuries. I mean, for the rest of your life, you would have no question that that person was a true friend to you, right? Because he paid the ultimate price to save you by sacrificing himself. Well, that is the, exactly the point the Lord Jesus is making here. He says, I have laid down my life for you, and greater love has no one than this to lay down your life for your friends. The Lord Jesus voluntarily gave His life. He laid it down there on Calvary's cross in order to save you, save me, save all believers. He's proven His love. He could not have done a greater thing than He's already done in taking the guilt of your sins upon Himself and suffering there on the cross, the punishment that those sins deserved, Him being your substitute, dying torturously so that you could live eternally as His friend. Anytime you are tempted to doubt whether the Lord Jesus really loves you, whether the Lord Jesus really wants to be your friend, and we are all tempted Right? The devil attacks this. The devil comes at us and lies to us about God. Slanders God all the time. Tells us God isn't good. God doesn't really love you. Whatever. What is the proof? What is the answer for that? It's point at the cross. 
Look at the price that's already been paid. Look at what Jesus has already done. He's laid down His life for His friends. Greater love has no one than this. And what He's already demonstrated right there at Calvary. And remember that Christ actually died for us long before we ever loved Him. He, he actually died for us, Romans 5 says, when we were enemies, wicked enemies. And we were against Him in every way. When we were not being friendly toward Him at all. He laid down His life for us in order to make us His friends. That is the Gospel. That is good news indeed. That's the first proof of Christ's friendship. But there's another proof here in our text. you see it? You see it in verse 15? The second proof is that Christ has told us everything. He's told us everything. Verse 15, No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what the Master is doing, but I have called you friends. For, this is a reason, for all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. So Jesus here is contrasting the way somebody would treat a slave compared to how someone would treat a friend. Okay? Uh, if somebody wanted their slave to go do some work on some job, you just tell the guy, go do it. Go do it. You're the slave. I'm the master. Go get busy. Why? You want to know why? Well, because I told you so. Because I'm the boss. On the other hand, if you're trying to get your friend to help you do a job. It's a totally different approach, isn't it? Right? You, you tell your friend the whole story. You want your friend to come alongside to share your enthusiasm for the project. You want your friend to get excited about it. You want to do the thing as a team together, right? Uh, so it's completely different if you're talking to a friend. And Jesus says, now look at how I've treated you disciples. I've not treated you like slaves. I've not just given you bare commands. But I've come to tell you, to reveal to you all, these, all that the Father has given me to teach you. Um, I've been telling you everything. I've been giving you as much as you can learn and beyond that. Of course, the disciples didn't understand a lot that Jesus was telling them until later, but He told them anyway. He's revealing truth to them. He's communicating everything He can. And that's a way that He treats them as friends. We all know that open communication is required for any deep friendship with anyone. Um, I mean, usually we're fairly guarded and careful with people, people we don't know very well. It's like you're, you're afraid. I mean, how much, how much will I tell them? How much will I expose of my, my true thoughts and feelings here? Is it safe or not? And uh, you're not sure who you can trust, who you can open up with in the whole story. Maybe there's only a handful of people that you feel like you can be 100% transparent with. But the Lord Jesus has opened up totally with us. He's communicated freely with us. He's not holding anything back that we need to know. He wants us to follow Him, not slavishly, not just following orders, but He wants us to follow with understanding and eagerness, 
about his whole mission. He wants us on board with him. You know, a sense that we're doing this together with the Lord Jesus. And it's this friendly love relationship that makes his yoke easy and his burden light. We're not just out there obeying commands. We're, we're, we're serving our friend. We're along with him in the adventure of this Christian life that he's called us to. So these are our two proofs in our text that the Lord Jesus really does want to relate to us as his friends. The first is he's laid down his life for us. The second is he's told us everything. But there's something else here in our text about friendship. And it's in that, that middle verse, verse 14. And what we have here is something about what we do toward Him. It's a test of whether we really are Jesus' friends or not. And, and the test is a matter of obedience. So He says in verse 14, You are My friends if you do what I command you. So like we just said, Jesus does not treat us as mere slaves. He doesn't just give us bare commands to follow. But He does have some really high and rather radical expectations for all of His followers. And, and Lord willing, we'll talk more about those things tomorrow night. But, but the way that we show that we're serious about being Jesus' friends is that we do the things Jesus says. We do what He commands. Um, and now this, this, makes, this makes something really clear about this friendship between us and Jesus. It makes clear that, that Jesus is our friend, but He's not our, our peer. He's not just like our buddy. He's not on the same level with us. He's still our sovereign Lord, right? He, he is over us. He commands us. He gives us commands to follow, right? Uh, so this is not a friendship between equals, but a friendship with the Almighty Lord of Glory, the one who has an absolute right to command me, uh, however He wishes. And and right here in the context, Christ's big command to me is 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 right above the three verses that we read up in verse twelve. This is this is the commandment He's talking about. He says in verse twelve, "This is my commandment." That you love one another just as I have loved you. And, and so Christ's great commandment to us is love. And specifically loving others uh, with, with radical self-denying sacrifice. Love others just as I have loved you. I mean, that's, that's the highest possible standard of love, isn't it? He says, look at how I've loved you. How have I loved you? I've laid down my life for you. Well, how are you supposed to love each other? Same idea. Lay down your life for them. Jesus gives us that command. He says, if, if you're my friend, you're going to do what I say. Well, this is what I say. I say love each other like this. See, lots of Americans think that they are on good terms with Jesus. And, and they claim to be followers of Jesus. You, uh, you do street witnessing. I don't know if it's as much true here as it is in Missouri, but there's lots of people who say they're Christians. 
say, yeah, I mean, me, me and Jesus are buddies. We're on good terms. You know, Jesus understands me or whatever. But you, you talk to them a little bit and you find out their, their lifestyle is really bad. It's not anywhere close to what Jesus talks about. And, and so there's this, this idea that you can be Jesus' friend but not obey Jesus. That doesn't work. I mean, Jesus says, this is the test. This is the proof of whether you really are my friends. Are you doing what I say? You are my friends if you do what I command you. Now, don't misunderstand this. Don't think of it in the wrong order. We are, we are not saved by our obedience to Jesus. But our obedience is a proof that we really have been saved. You see, that's the order. Um, we are saved by grace alone by the work of Christ alone, the perfect righteousness of our Lord, we're saved by that, but included in the package, the salvation package. Included in that package when you get saved is He, he also changes our hearts. He changes us in a big, deep, profound, miraculous way. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. And along with that, with that change of heart, we get the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God begins to dwell in us and begins to conform us into the image of Christ. And the Spirit gives us the desire and the power to actually obey Jesus. To do what Jesus says. We want to obey Jesus. And we, we have the ability for the first time to substantially obey Jesus and, and obey Jesus better and better over time as we go along in, in the Christian life. And, and so here's a good spot, I think, right here at the beginning of, of, of this little retreat time to just pause and examine ourselves and, and say, you know, what, what would Jesus say about me? Would Jesus say, yeah, He's... He's doing my commands. He's trying to obey me uh, or not. You know, are we striving to do all that Jesus commands? Is there, is there an area in our life where we are resisting Him? Where we are telling the Lord, no, I won't do that. I won't do that. I won't do that. Are we aware of anything like that? Is there somewhere where your conscience is not at peace with the Lord? And you know it. You're troubled by it. The Apostle John talks about uh, our heart condemning us. And I think we all know that feeling. <laughs> we're, we're being condemned by our conscience. Something's not right. Um, the Apostle Paul, on the other hand, can say, I am conscious of nothing against myself. Looking back at, at my own Christian walk over the years, I, I realized there were, there were seasons... Of, of my life as a Christian where my own conscience was not entirely clear before the Lord Jesus. Um, times where my, my heart had gotten hard toward Him or there was, there was you know, like the Spirit had been pointing out a problem in my life again and again and I was pushing it away and I was saying, no, I'm not going to deal with that. And, and it greatly hindered my fellowship and my friendship with the Lord. Looking back on those times. Um, 
But on the other hand, there is such joy and such freedom in knowing, like that, like that old song says, there's nothing between my soul and my Savior. A sense that, that I'm not afraid of any Bible verse. You know, I'm not afraid. Oh, well, this is a Bible verse. I, I don't know if I'm going to do that. I mean, we have, diff- we have challenge of understanding what, what th- different things mean in the Bible. We struggle to obey it as well as we'd like to. But there's a hard attitude that says, Lord, I want to do everything You say. I want, to, I want to faithfully obey You. Lord, You've laid down Your life for me. You've revealed everything to me. You're, you're my best friend in the world and I want to serve You with a whole heart. You know, that's a joyful, wonderful way to live where we're saying to, to the Lord Jesus, just help me understand. Help me grow. Help me do it. Help me serve You better as time goes by. And so that's the teaching here in these these three verses about Jesus' friendship with His people. Two proofs that He is our friend. He laid down His life for us. He told us everything. And And then one way we show that we're really His friend, that is we do what He says. I want to go on though to make some applications from this teaching. There's simple truths about Jesus' friendship. And I want to apply it um, to several practical situations, several different kinds of people. And, and we might have all these different kinds of people right here in the room tonight. So maybe something, something that, one of these applications might really suit you, might really be a help for you. And so the, the first kind of a person I'm thinking of is, is the one I call the lonely believer. A lonely believer. Uh, sad to say that there are Christians who frequently feel lonely. Even Christians in good churches like yours might have times where you feel lonely, where you feel like nobody understands me and, uh, and I'm kind of alone. And, and this truth that Jesus calls us friends This should be a great comfort to a lonely believer. He calls you his friends. He really means it. Christ is that perfect friend that you can pour out your heart to and know he really understands you. He understands uh, everything about you. He's a friend that you can walk through your days with. Aren't, are there, aren't, don't you have that experience as a believer that there are some days you feel like you can you, you start out, you start out the morning in communion with the Lord. Maybe you have your quiet time, whatever you do, read your Bible and pray. And there's the sense that the Lord goes with you all through the day. Everything going on, you're in fellowship with Him as you go through the day. He's a friend like that. He's a friend with whom you can have sweet heart-to-heart fellowship. And, and this friendship with Jesus is the most secure, the most secure of all friendships. Every other friendship we have is uncertain, right? I mean, friends can die. Friends can get too busy. Friends can get married and move away, and they're gone. They're out of our life. Um, Friends can even turn against us and end up hating our guts. And maybe you've had something really horrible like that happen. Uh, It happens sometimes. But Jesus' friendship never fails. 
He's a faithful friend. Whatever happens with every other relationship on earth, I can be sure I have the friendship of the Lord Jesus. And, and He will always hear my voice. He'll always comfort me. The, Jesus is not just an old story in a book. He's not just a package of doctrines that we subscribe to. He's a loving person that fellowships with us, that walks with us and talks with us and tells us we're His own. He dwells in our hearts, in fact, by faith. It says in Ephesians 3, such that I never, ever am alone and need to, never need to feel alone. The Lord is always with me. And so, so this truth ought to comfort a lonely believer. Whatever way you might feel lonely, at times. Another kind of believer that this truth ought to comfort, and that is a suffering believer. Um, all Christians at different times go through terribly hard trials. Suffering. I feel like I've experienced suffering in myself and, and family members more in the past few years than ever before. I've been thinking a lot about this. And, and just how we suffer physically. We suffer Emotionally, we suffer relationally in our relationships. We sometimes suffer financially. Uh, we suffer because of things that happen in our families and happen in our churches, really hard times. Uh, old Eliphaz, back, back Job's, Job's friend, says man's born for trouble as sparks fly upward. We all got trouble. We all got tribulations. No doubt about it. And, and sometimes when, when you're suffering, we can... We, we can encounter people kind of like Job's friends that, that try to help but don't know the right things to say and are not really very helpful. And um, they, they don't, other people, it's like our suffering is unique to you. you. You suffer in ways that are different than anybody else suffers. There's something unique about your suffering in, and other people don't understand you and your suffering, but you know who does. The Lord Jesus is a friend who does really understand your unique suffering. Why this thing is so hard for you. Other people think, well, what's the, what's the big deal? Jesus understands why it's a big deal in your life. He's a friend that understands us. Um, but here's a, here's a wonderful comfort that, that Jesus calls us a friend. He's a friend, like the proverb says, who loves at all times. Even the hard times. He's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And, and we also can be confident that Jesus doesn't just understand our suffering uh, from the standpoint of knowledge, but He understands our suffering from the standpoint of experience, right? He took, he took on our humanity. He entered into this, to this broken, sin-cursed, messed up world that's groaning looking forward to the final redemption. And, and, and Isaiah 53 talks about, about Jesus being a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Whatever the grief is, Jesus, think of it, Jesus suffered more than any human beings ever suffered. You add up all the sufferings of Jesus, and especially the cross. He suffered worse than any of us will ever suffer. He understands it by experience. And you know the verse in, in Hebrews 4 about how we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. You feel you got a lot of weaknesses. We've got a high priest who can sympathize 
with those weaknesses. Why? Because He's one who's been tempted in all things as we are. Without sin. But He doesn't just sympathize with us, but He's able to come ride to the rescue. He's able to give real help to us in our suffering, in our distress. He's the one who keeps answering our prayers each day as we go through our trials. And, 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 he, and He's helping you not just struggle through the trial, but actually to triumph over it, to be more than conqueror in the midst of the trials and the hardship. The Lord Jesus does that. And so He's great, a great comforting friend for the, for the suffering believer. Here's a third kind of believer that, that should be encouraged by Jesus' friendship. And that is the backslidden believer. Um, maybe you're a Christian here, and right now you feel really far from the Lord. I don't know all you all. I don't know if anybody's in that spot. If you are in that spot, here's something encouraging from the Lord Jesus. Um, maybe maybe you've, you've strayed off the path somehow. Um, Maybe things are in a tangled mess in your soul right now. Uh, I want to encourage you that the Lord Jesus is not pushing you away. He's not pushing you away in this time, but instead He's warmly inviting you back into fellowship with Himself. I mean, if you, if you can think back to a time in your Christian life when you said, well, back six months ago or a year and a half ago, I really walked close with the Lord. And I want to get back to that. I want to have that, that fellowship with Him, but I've, I've really messed things up and I don't know if He'll take me back. <laughs> the answer is He will. He's longing to do it. And that's not just nice sounding preacher talk. That's what Jesus Himself says. Think of what He says to that, that messed up church there in Laodicea. This is a church that had all kinds of sin problems going on. And Jesus, Jesus invites them to repent and come back and be restored. He says in, in, in Revelation 3, verse 19, He says, those whom I love, He still loved them, right? Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and will dine with him and he with me. It's a picture of fellowship, right? He says, I want to come in and have dinner with you. I want to be your friend again. I want to be close to you. I don't want to be at a distance. I don't want to be on the other side of the door. He says, I'm knocking. I want to come in. He says, just open the door. You know, this verse often used to preach to, to lost people, and it can be applied that way. But the context is to Christians, right? It's to a church that had gotten off track and into sin. And Jesus says, I want to come back. I want that fellowship, that friendship restored with you guys. I don't want to be at a distance. I'm knocking on the door. And, he, and so how do you open the door? Jesus says, right, be zealous, therefore, and repent. That's all it takes. Just repent. Now, I like that, that zealous word. Sometimes our, our repentance is too superficial. Say, okay, sorry about that, Lord, and think we just go on. Well, sometimes we're just not zealous enough about our repentance. We don't deal deeply enough with the real sin. 
So zealous repentance is how we open the door to fellowship with Jesus. He, he wants us to be close to Him. He does not want it to be like you're looking back to a time when you were really close with the Lord in the past. He wants the best times to be right now. He, he loves us as His friends. He wants that fellowship with you. A fourth application, Jesus' friendship, I think is really encouraging. And that is, that is in regard to the believer who fears their own death. So we think about death. Now look around the room. Most of you guys are younger and healthier than me. So maybe you don't think about, about the issue of death very much. But both of my parents have had major health problems in the last year or two. I'm thinking about death for them as, as believers and feel my own, my own mortality more and more. Many Christians are, are uneasy about their own death. And, and we say the right things, of course. We know the right, the right things to say. But, but when death gets close to us, we recoil from it. And, and I, I find this truth of Jesus' friendship to be real comfort when I think about the end of my life, however that comes, that, that when I die, I'm just going to my best friend's house. <laughs> I just love that. I'm going to my best friend's house. And Christ will be the host that welcomes us into heaven to the place He went. John 14 says, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. He'll welcome us home to His house. And when we get to heaven, we'll surely be overwhelmed by how glorious the Lord Jesus is. More glorious than we could ever imagine. He will be spectacular in splendor. And yet, the Lord will not seem like a stranger to you. He'll not be like a, You'll have a sense, it's, this is the same Jesus who's been my friend all these years. We'll know it instantly. It's the same Jesus we've been studying about and thinking about and praying to all these years on earth. Our friendship with Him begun here on earth will just go on. Will just go on better and better for all eternity. How thrilling that is. And I, I thought of Jesus there in John 17. He prays, Father, I desire that they also, talking about believers, that they also whom You have given Me be with Me where I am so that they may see My glory. Jesus is praying that all of His friends will come home. will be with Him in heaven. will see His glory. Rejoice with Him. There, so applications for for the lonely believer, the suffering believer, the backslidden believer, the the death fearing believer, and then I want to make the last application to the non believer. Uh, if you're not a Christian at all this evening, then I plead with you to make friends with Jesus Christ. Make your peace with the Lord Jesus Christ. Become His friend. Take Him as your friend now. Or He will be your enemy later. He will. You'll face Him in judgment. And so turn now from your life of selfishness and sin and embrace this One who came to make friends with His enemies. Embrace Him as your perfect friend. Another quote from that Jonathan Edwards sermon. He says, What is there 
that you can desire in a Savior that is not in Christ? What excellency is there wanting? What is there that is great or good? What is there that is venerable or winning? What is there that is adorable or endearing? Or what can you think of that would be encouraging, which is not to be found in the person of Christ? That's not an exaggeration. Every, everything, everything that you could imagine being good in a friend is really in this friend, the Lord Jesus. And so, so if you tonight feel your own sinfulness, if you're feeling your sinfulness, you might wonder, you might wonder whether Christ would really ever love anybody as bad as you. <laughs> Does Christ really love sinners? I, I like how I like they're in the Gospels. Jesus gets in trouble for hanging around with sinners too much. That was one of the, the accusations against Him from the religious people. This man is a friend of sinners. Right? The Lord Jesus is a friend of sinners. Those who come to Him will not be kicked back out. He welcomes sinners that want to come to Him in repentance, want to trust Him as their Savior, want to become His friend. He welcomes such as that. He is a friend of sinners. And, and so if you're not saved tonight, that's my encouragement to you. Surrender. Just surrender everything to Jesus Christ. Call upon Him and He'll save you. And He'll bring you into this world of love that we've, we've been talking about this evening. He'll be your friend for the rest of your life on earth and forever in heaven. Oh, I, it's hard to imagine someone wanting to become a friend, wanting to become a Christian who's not excited about the person of Jesus Christ. When you become a Christian, you're not joining a church. You're not rejoining a, 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 an, an organization or something. You are, you, are, you are coming to a person, to a Savior, to the One who's died on the cross for you. It is a personal thing to become a Christian. You do business between you and Jesus. It's not, it's not a puzzle you figure out. How, how do I believe just right? How do I repent just right? How do I, how, do I, how do I do all the right stuff in order to get saved? You come to this person, to this friend of sinners. You call upon Him. He'll save you. He delights to save sinners. It's one of His favorite things to do in the whole world. It's why He came to earth at all, right? It's to save the likes of us, to make enemies into friends. Amen. What a friend we have in Jesus, as we just sang about.